Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. How you doing, everyone? Russ Salzberg here, and I want you all to listen up and get a load of this. Amnesty International honors Colin Kaepernick with its Ambassador of Conscience Award. Are you kidding me? Ambassador of Conscience, my ass. Plus, the Commission on College Basketball has spoken. Get rid of one and done along with the cheaters. And last but certainly not least, the Pope, Mike Francesa, returns to WFAN. Which just goes to show you, folks, the more things change, the more they remain the same. All right, let's get to Mr. Colin Kaepernick. When I heard that Amnesty International gave him its Ambassador of Conscience Award, I mean, I fell off the couch. I mean, this is the same award that was bestowed upon the great Nelson Mandela. I mean, are you kidding me? Ambassador of Conscience, like I said, Ambassador of Conscience, my ass. Now, folks, and some of you have criticized me for this. I have blogged about it. I have tweeted about it. I have put it on Facebook I support I, I support the NFL players in their right to protest. I might not agree with not I might I don't agree with the way they're going about it, but I have supported their right to do so. okay I, I think the optics of, of kneeling stinks. I think people get the wrong idea. Uh, it's a misconception. I, I, I don't think people understand what they're really protesting about that it's not anti-police, they have issues. But having said that, you might be saying to yourselves, well, Russ, how the hell can you support the players, but you're not supporting Colin Kaepernick? Isn't that hypocritical? No, there's a big difference. It's a very big difference. Because all the players did not wear Castro T-shirts, okay? A T-shirt of a murderous dictator praising him for his thoughts on the educational system, okay? That's number one. And then number two, to add insult to injury, which was totally disgraceful, Kaepernick wore socks depicting cops as pigs. And what really pisses me off that he does that, and then he's got the nerve. Here's what he said in his acceptance speech. Racialized oppression and dehumanization is woven into the very fabric of our nation. 
the effects of which can be seen in the lawful lynching of black and brown people by the police and the mass incarceration of of black and brown lives in the prison industrial complex. He says, in truth, this is an award that I share with all the countless people throughout the world combating the human rights violations of police officers and their uses of oppressive and excessive force. Now, let me get this straight. This dummy, and I'm calling him a dummy, not only a dummy, but an insensitive dummy. Okay, and you, you people who are supporters of Colin Kaepernick can tell me, yeah, but Russ, he's, he's donated, <coughs> excuse me, a million dollars of his own money for causes. I get that. But you're talking about, he's talking about racialized oppression and dehumanization. He's talking about the uses of uh, the violation of human rights and and, uh, the uses of oppressive and excessive force. Well, what do you think Castro and his henchmen did? Why don't you ask, go down to Miami or go down to places in Florida and ask some Cuban refugees or maybe you, or you could find some Cuban refugees here in New York City and ask them why some of them gambled with their lives and, and went on freaking flotillas and, 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 and rowboats to escape, to escape Cuba. Well, because they weren't dealing with oppressive uh, force there and dehumanization and violation of their human rights. And, and Amnesty International gives this guy its Ambassador of Conscience Award? I mean, that is the dumbest, moronic thing I have ever, ever heard. It's, it's ridiculous. And you know what? On my website, uh, you know, russsalsberg.com, I blogged about this over the weekend. And as God is my judge, folks, as I knew I was blogging, I knew this was going to create a firestorm. A firestorm. I just knew it. Because you know what? I knew the reaction I was going to get from both sides of the fence. And nobody wants to hear what the other side has to say. I was criticized by the supporters of Colin Kaepernick because they make him out to be a hero, which he is not a hero by any stretch of the imagination. He might be a young man with courage because whether you or I like him or not, He had the guts to do what he did. Okay? Whether you or I like it or not, but I'm not calling him a hero. Now, the the flip side says, the other side says, well, Russ, how the hell can you support the NFL players? You know, they're spitting on the flag. They're spitting on our country. They're spitting at the police. Well, first of all, that's not true. And both sides, that's the problem what's going on with this country. It's just divisiveness. And and they're giving they're giving Colin Kaepernick the Ambassador of Conscience Award because he, he knelt down. 
As I said, he started the conversation. Listen to me, folks. Are there some problems with police? Yes, there are problems with some police. Are there problems with all police? All police? No, there are not. And in fact, far more police do the right thing than just some of the police who do the wrong thing. The great, great majority of police do what they're hired to do. They protect you and me. But the optics on this suck because everybody thinks they're anti-police or they're anti-government or they're anti-military. That is not the case. But I am anti-Colin Kaepernick. And, and when, when Kaepernick, you know, we, he would say, like, people are giving the wrong narrative. If they're suggesting that he's supporting uh, Castro, uh, he was just supporting some of the things in his system. Well, that's bull. D- don't tell me about, you know, Castro and his viewpoints on education. I don't want to hear about that crap. What, what was Amnesty International thinking about? They weren't thinking. That's exactly what the deal was. They were not thinking one damn bit. Not one damn bit. I think this is an embarrassment to Amnesty International. Now, again, I know what's going to be out there. People are saying, well, how the hell can this guy, how can Russ Salzberg kill Kaepernick and Amnesty International but support the players. Here's here's what's wrong with the majority of the NFL players with their protests. First of all, the protest turned into a mass protest only when President Trump, and I'm not making this pro-Trump or anti-Trump, just fact, when President Trump called them sons of bitches in Alabama, Alabama of all places, that great state of racial tolerance. Uh, When he did that, then all the players got together because they weren't going to stand for those comments. But here's the problem. You know, many of you probably too young and don't remember 1967, a lot of black athletes, famous black athletes, got together. It was in Cleveland. It was called the Muhammad Ali Summit. It's when Ali was being, um, you know, he was facing, uh, you know, charges, possibly going to prison for not um, uh, entering the draft, refusing to enter the draft, refusing to enter the service. So when I say the best of the best, I'm talking about the best of the best. Jimmy Brown, the great Jim Brown, uh, the great Lou Alcinda, who would later become Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the great, great winner, Hall of Famer, Bill Russell, the legend from the Boston Celtics. I believe it was Willie Davis from the um, great Green Bay Packers. I believe it was Dave Robinson. Uh, There were a lot of great They were there backing Muhammad Ali. And they were there to explain what they were doing. Why they were doing it. Now, you and I may not have liked their explanation, 
but they sat there in front of microphones so that all the public can see and understand what they were doing. The NFL Players and the NFL Players Association has never really done that. Yes, they've had meetings with the NFL, with ownership, and with the league. They've had meetings. And from the meetings, the, the, the owners, I think, agree. Not I think. I know they, I, but I, I believe the sum is something like $90 million over X amount of years. They've agreed to um, give to uh, various uh African-American causes. So something good came out of those meetings. But what, what the players have yet to do is sit down as a group and explain themselves and explain themselves to the public. We are not anti-police. We are not military. I've, I've spoken with players. They have issues with certain things that have happened with the police, but they're not anti-police and they're not anti-military. Olivier Vernon was one of the three giants who knelt down last year. Olivier Vernon's dad was a cop of Miami for 25 years. He has friends in the military. I sat down and spoke with him. He's not anti-police at all. He had some issues. And as, again, uh, the the fuse that really lit the flame after Kaepernick did this was then uh, Trump's statement, calling them all sons of bitches. So they responded that way. But they have, you, you know, Vernon told me his feelings. But as a group, they have not explained their feelings to everybody else. So to me, that's a screw up on the player's part. But Colin Kaepernick, uh, I, I mean, the balls on this guy. I mean, think about it. Like, like his supporters seem to have swept this Castro T-shirt and, and, and the socks depicting cops as pigs like under the rug. Well, no, folks, you can't have it both ways. Whether I like his initial move or not with the kneeling, I accepted it. I will not accept depicting cops as pigs and wearing a Castro t-shirt of a a murderous dictator. And he's trying to compare what happened in, you know, that, that families were ripped apart. Families were ripped apart in Cuba because of... What Castro did to families, you know, killing certain members, putting them in prison. And and Kaepernick is making this comparison to uh, black lives are torn apart. Families are torn apart because of incarceration. I'm sorry. Don't give me that business. It is not the same as it is in Cuba. Please, please don't make that comparison. And, and I think f- for Amnesty International to have the nerve, you, you want to talk about ambassador of conscience? I think they made this decision without a thought of looking into their own conscience. 
I mean, this guy gets an award that Nelson Mandela got? Really? Are, are you kidding me? I mean, I it's the dumbest thing I've heard. I mean, I mean, quite frankly, it's insulting. It is absolutely insulting. And had Kaepernick never worn that Castro T-shirt, and had he never wore socks depicting cops at pigs, I think... I know I can speak for myself, but I think a whole lot of other people would have been far more understanding. For far more understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, far more understanding to his thoughts and his cause. But conscience, I mean, ambassador of conscience award? Ambassador of conscience award? What the hell were you thinking about? It, it, it's a joke, and, and and you know, you know, reading Kaepernick trying to defend the Castro shirt. What I said was, I agree in the investment in education. I also agree in the investment of free universal health care. He's talking about Castro. Trying to push the narrative that I was supportive of the oppressive things he did is not true. Well, let me tell you something. You can't have it both ways, Mr. Kaepernick, and your supporters can't have it both ways. Please, if, if you're going to complain about things in, in this country and you got rights to complain, many of you do, I'll be the first one to admit it and stand with you on it. But don't you dare compare this country to Fidel Castro's Cuba. Don't you dare wear socks depicting cops as pigs and expect me to be understanding of that, nor a whole lot of other people, because that's just dead wrong. And this bullshit that, you know, he, he's being uh, blackballed from the NFL. Here's the deal. First of all, if Colin Kaepernick was at the top of his game when he was taking the 49ers to a Super Bowl, it'd be a different story. But he's not. Anybody who would sign Colin Kaepernick would be signing him as a backup quarterback. Okay? And I'm telling you, as an owner, why the hell would you want a backup quarterback on your team with a whole lot of baggage. Because whether he would be or not, just by just his presence would be a disruptive force. Now, you might be saying, why would his presence be a disruptive force? I'm going to tell you why. Because backup quarterbacks, they're, they're basically seen but not heard. Nobody's bothering with them. And, unless they have to play, they're... Alone in the locker room, you know, you get a friendly chit-chat. Nobody's bothering them. They're not doing a whole lot of interviews because there's no reason to interview them. But if you have a guy like Colin Kaepernick in your locker room, the minute somebody, for lack of a better term, farts the wrong way, 
everybody's going to ask Colin Kaepernick. The minute there's any issue, black-white issue, race issue, any kind of issue, let's go to Colin Kaepernick, and you're going to have a mass uh, intrusion in a locker room with lights, cameras, and action. If I'm an owner, I don't want that. Not if he's a backup quarterback. You're saying to yourself, who needs this aggravation? So to me, it's not being blackballed. It's common sense. So for the last time, I support all the NFL players. It, it, I do not like the idea. I, I don't think they're using their, their noodles. I don't think they're thinking. I, I think they need a better way. And I hope it's not the, the way it's going to be this coming season. But I support their right to protest, even though I wouldn't do it that way. But I do not support Colin Kaepernick. And again, Amnesty International giving him, uh, giving Colin Kaepernick its Ambassador of Conscience Award is an absolute joke. They diminish the honor of the award. I think it's stupid. I, I think they they did not use any. I think they were unconscious when they made this decision. I think it's just stupid. I don't know what they were thinking, but well, it's too late to rethink the the the, the award because they've already given it out. Ambassador of Conscience Award, Ambassador of Conscience, my ass. All right. So the long-awaited report from the Commission on College Basketball uh, was introduced today by former Secretary of State uh, Condoleezza Rice and basically they they read the riot act to the NCAA you know they, they didn't you know she didn't pull any punches they recommended there's got to be more involvement with players before they get to college Less involvement, the NCAA itself, less involvement with the enforcement. It also said that the NCAA needs to make sweeping changes and and it has to defend, quote unquote, its amateurism model. They also said that paying players a salary isn't the answer. Now, now I'll get to that in just uh, a second. They also spoke about Ways to reform in, in like five different areas, folks. The NBA, NBA drafting, uh, including the age limit. They want the age limit to be pushed back to 18, which is now 19. And, and you know, so kids can go if they want to go directly from high school. They can. But they also want to get rid of one and done. They feel that has to stop. They want to get get into the relationship between players and agents. And also the involvement of like apparel companies like Nike and, you know, you know, Adidas, places like that. They also want to make this and this is what I thought was hugely this to me, I, I think, is tremendous. They want the, the commission recommending much harsher penalties for the rule rule breakers. Who are they? You know, of course, they're the cheaters. Level one violations would be punishable with up to a five-year postseason ban and forfeiture of all postseason revenue 
for the time of the ban. Now, folks, that could be worth tens of millions of dollars to major conference schools. Now, think about it for a second. You know, by comparison, some recent level uh, one infractions, such as coming to my Louisville and Syracuse, they resulted in postseason bans for one year. Okay? Jim Beheim, uh, Beheim was suspended for nine games. Before Patino was a subsequent was eventually fired, he had received a five-game NCAA suspension. Now it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how the NCAA responds to all of this. The school, uh, excuse me, not the school. The commission also held. Schools responsible. The presidents of universities responsible. You know, not not just, you know, saying, well, it's the NCAA or it's the basketball's fault or, or it's this coach's fault or this athletic director's fault. It's got to start at the top. Now, I get all that. But what's also is interesting with all this coming out and again, this just came out today as I'm speaking. Well, t- you know, you guys are hearing me for the first time on a Friday, but th- this this is coming out today when I'm taping it on a Wednesday. Okay, John Calipari, the Kentucky coach, who's made the one and done famous. You can call him the daddy of the one and done. He met with the NBA Players Association reps. He, he would like a high, a high school combine, okay? He, he would like, and, you know, it's not the craziest idea. I just think coming from him, it's hypocritical. Because he would like places where, you know, kids can be judged, maybe by NBA personnel t- to let them know if they have the ability in, in the future to be NBA players. Or should they just go to college? Okay? But one of the things Calipari said, and I quote, what do we do if they are not academically ready at all? He's talking about going to college because they didn't plan on it. Who wants to take care of those thousands of kids whose family many times are dealing, I quote, with generational poverty and their chance was maybe to get him an education? Well, you know what? That all sounds very noble. But to me, it sounds like Calipari is full of crap. Because Calipari is going in, and I've seen him being interviewed about it. He's going into these homes of kids and maybe their families who have dealt with generational poverty. And he's selling the parents the idea of your kid has the ability to make millions. And with those millions, if everybody's smart, your son's your son, you, your son's kids, and his kids' kids can be set up for life. You know, if he makes it to the NBA. So, you know, Calipari is trying to look like the Pied Piper here, like the good guy. Calipari does not worry about his kids getting educations. Okay? He didn't worry about it at UMass. 
when he left that school with violations, and he didn't worry about at uh, Memphis when he left it with violations, okay? So I don't want to hear this noble business from John Calipari. I do like the fact, though, that the NBA, excuse me, not the NBA, this college on, on commission, commission on college basketball, let me correct myself, I, I, I do think they, they're thinking in the right direction. I think that the school's got to be held responsible. I mean, if a kid is good enough to go to the pros straight from high school, I don't have a problem with that. They also want the NBA, the, the commission felt that the NBA and the NBA Players Association needs to get involved because if they do get involved, you know, maybe they can also be judges of whether the kid has the ability or not to make it. But they're also saying that, you know, paying kids is not the answer. Now, look, you've heard me say here before, I will say it again. I believe kids need to be paid. How much? Well, that depends. But I I believe certain money needs to be paid under the current situation. If somebody's going to tell me a better situation, God bless. But under the current situation where the schools are making a fortune because of the likeness of a player's jersey. If that's happening, then the kid's got to be entitled to something. So I will let all of you or or people on the commission figure that out, and the NBA and the NCAA, because you're all in it together. The NBA needs to be involved because, hey, they're getting their players from the NCAA. Okay? So everybody needs each other. But if you're not going to pay kids, fine. Give me a system that works. But right now, the system that you currently have doesn't work. And why doesn't it work? Because it's not fair to the kids. There's a lot of money going into the wrong pockets. And they got to start going into the right pockets and done so evenly, legally, and fairly. But again, it's April. NCAA is moving forward. Or I should say the commission on, on college basketball is moving forward. Let's see how the NCAA responds. Because now their feet are going to be held to the fire. And that's the way it should be. And as I said, last but certainly not least, the Pope, Mike Francesa, returns to the airwaves of WFAN. Which again, just goes to show you, the more things change, the more they remain the same. Now this is a big story locally, because Mike Francesa is a big name locally. He's been extremely successful Hugely successful on the air for 30 years. You know, he and Russo, the Mad Dog, were part of the most famous team in sports talk radio. Mad Dog left, 
went to do his own thing at uh, Sirius. Mike was alone and had continued success by himself. But he leaves, and now he comes back. As far as I'm concerned, this is a screw-up of uh, all parties concerned. Everybody here. Everybody looks bad. It's a major, major screw-up. And and I have to tell you, WFAN has a history of when, when things like this happen, they never do it the right way. They, they never, never address things the right way. And, and I'll get into that in a little bit. But we're talking about this situation right now. First of all, you go on like a goodbye tour, which was for a year, okay? You go on a goodbye tour for a year, Mike Francesa does, and now he's coming back after four months. Let's first address, again, WFAN. You, you, see, you never want to be, as the saying goes, you, want, you don't want to be the guy to follow the guy. You want to be the guy to follow the guy who followed the guy. You know, following Mike Francesa is a tall, tall order. But what did they do? They put in Chris Carlin, who I happen to believe is a talented guy. He's a good guy. And they put him with two other people, Bart Scott and Maggie Gray. Three people is too too much. I mean, I quite frankly, I'm not a Bart Scott fan. I remember Bart Scott trying to boycott talking to the media when he was with the jet with the Jets. So I have no, I could care less about you know his media career, okay? Because he could care less about mine and many others. But you put three people together, and Chris Carlin was put in a position of being a traffic cop instead of the bus driver. What I mean by him being the bus driver, Chris should have been the guy, the boss. And the the, uh, two other people, Maggie and and Bart Scott, should have been the helpers. But it's not that way. So so that was a screw-up in itself, just the way that was set up. But that's what you people put together at WFAN. You don't cancel something. After four months, if you you don't give it a chance to work. Now, personally speaking, I, that, I think they had all kinds of problems. Don't get me wrong. I think the show had all kinds of problems because, again, I, I didn't like the chemistry of the three of them together. But having said that, You, you put them in that position. you got to give, give them a chance to make it work. When did they take over? They took over in, in January. All your local, baseball, your local football teams, their seasons were over. Giants and Jets seasons were over. Knicks, Rangers, Nets, they weren't going to the playoffs. Islanders weren't going to the playoffs. One team, the Devils, went to the playoffs. Okay. Now, baseball is huge. 
And it's a huge, you know, talk radio sport. So basically, they gave them one month to talk about it. That's a complete screw-up. They handled it wrong. Now, let's go to, you know, Mike Francesa. And Mike, Mike, Mike Francesa, about a month ago, less than a month ago, he goes on with his former partner, Chris Russo's show on MLB. Was it High Heat? Whatever they call it. And basically, they go on, he go, they go on the show together, and they're mocking, quite frankly, in a belittling way, people at WFAN. Simply speaking, that wasn't very nice to do. I think it was wrong to do. Why, why would you, you know, Carlin worked with them. Why would you mock anybody? Really, why would you mock? I, I mean, I don't get that. No reason to do that. Unless your egos are so off the charts. Did not understand that. Bo- both on Francesa and, and Russo d- did not understand that. And now Russo, excuse me, now Francesa is going back. Why is he going back? Well, he's going back because he had no place else to go. That's why he's going back. And we can hear any follow-ups we want. Oh, he had this or that. He had no place else to go. He might have spoken to some people. Or he had no place else to go for the numbers they wanted to pay him. But what really pissed me off about Francesa and Russo going on that show, mocking other people, this is what really bothered me. I worked there for seven years. I preceded their show for seven years with, with Steve Summers. We were the sweater and the schmoozer. We, I followed Imus, and we preceded their show for seven years. Let me tell you something. Chris Russo and Mike Francesa, they do not dislike each other. They hate each other. The word is hate. Cut and dry, bold-faced letters, hate. And you know what? If they didn't hate each other, Chris Russo never would have left to go to Sirius. Never would have left to go to Sirius. But business becomes business. He left. And now hearing that he was even willing to have Francesa come over, you know, do his uh, do a show on Sunday, his NFL show, and maybe they would do something together once a week. Don't be, I'm telling you, they do not dislike each other. It is not dislike. They hate each other. And that, to me, is what bothered me more than anything else. Two guys getting together, mocking a place and people that they used to work with. 
and they can't stomach each other. I, I mean, what what they did a show at to me, which was the most hypocritical thing. They did it first of all that thirty for thirty. Trust me, doing a show they they didn't like each other, and I know that for a fact. And they they did this big get together at Radio City. Trust me, they hate each other. But you know what? When you're ego driven, that's what counts. Not with everybody, but with a lot of people. So to me, that was the height of hypocrisy. So now you got this mess going on, and it, you know, Frances is going to come back like some conquering hero. God bless. I'm not losing any sleep over it. But WFAN historically handles situations when there's making change, they handle it in an awful way. It could be big deals, it could be little deals. They handle it in an awful way. All right? In a big way, listen, when Imus, when they dumped Imus at WFAN, that was a bunch of crap. Because first of all, whether Imus was wrong in what he said or not, whether you believe he was wrong or what he said or not, he didn't deserve to be fired. And they should have backed him up on that. Not, but again, what do you succumb to? You succumb to the numbers. You succumb to the advertisers. Because that's what this is all about, the bottom line. It's about numbers. It always is. I, I remember, I remember when, uh, they dumped myself and uh, Steve Summers. I will never forget the morning. I come in, and I was hearing rumors all week that something was going to happen. And trust me, I'm not, I'm not remotely comparing myself to the change of uh, Imus. I'm not remotely comparing myself to the change of uh, Chris Russo or, or, or Mike Francesa. But Steve Summers and I had a pretty damn good show for seven years. So for the week leading up, or a few days anyway, I'm hearing all kinds of rumors. I'm getting phone calls from newspaper people. Hey, Russ, I hear this is out. You're, you're going to be on the way out and all this. And I go, well, okay, I haven't heard anything yet. And I was kind of preparing myself. I come in, I believe it was a Friday morning. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I come in on, on a morning and it's in papers that, you know, Sweater and the Schmoozer is going to be over. And uh, I think it was Susan Wallman. I believe it was Susan Wallman and Jody McDonald were going to be our replacements. Anyway, I come in and I'm sitting at my cubicle outside of the studio. And that's in, in the old FAN studio in Astoria, Queens. And I remember sitting right across from me was uh, Patrick McEnroe. Because Pat, Patrick McEnroe sometimes used to sit in and do sports updates uh, with Imus. I think other spots as well. But he happened to be sitting right in the, right across from me. So I come in. I'm, I'm sitting down early. And down in comes the program director, who was a friend of mine, Mark Chernoff. 
In comes Mark, and he looks at me and goes, now calm down. I don't know, Russ, where this is coming from. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I just So I go, well, Mark, what the F is going on? It's got to be freaking coming from someplace. It's not just made up in, 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 in radio uh, waves someplace. It's got to be, I don't know. I, 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 I Calm down. I'm just telling you, I don't know where all this is coming from. This is what the exact conversation was. So I'm, I'm all pissed off, but I got to come down because I got a show to do at 10 o'clock. This probably was about 9 o'clock, maybe 10 after 9. He walks away. I call up the general manager at the time was a guy by the name of Lee Davis. I call up and I say, Lee. You know what the F is going on? Russ, calm down, all right? Why don't you calm down? Come up at 10 o'clock after the show and we'll talk. Fine. I go up at 10 o'clock to talk. I go in, see the gal sitting in front, secretary, assistant. Yeah, I knock at the door. He comes, yeah, Russ, come on in. I come in. He closes the door. Sitting behind the door. In a corner is Mark Chernoff, and Lee Davis looks at me and goes, Russ, we're going to make a change. I look at Mark Chernoff and say, you're going to make a change? What was that spiel in the morning all about? That you didn't know where it was coming from. And Chernoff says to me, well, I wasn't sure if you'd say something about it on the air, and I didn't think, you know, I was worried about that. At which point I went ballistic. I was more pissed off about that than the fact that the show was coming to an end. Because you question my character. All my years in this business, be it radio and TV, I was, I'm known as a team player. I never ever washed, washed laundry on the air when I was at WFAN. Not once. While other people did. Never mocked fellow employees, nothing like that. Never made fun of brass, nothing like that. So that's an example how WFAN screws things up. They do. And sometimes they just can't help themselves about it. But that they do. In the end, like a lot of people are talking about, I heard um, my buddy Sid Rosenberg say, bottom line is the numbers. And you know what? That's what they're worried about. FEN's worried about the numbers. I mean, back page. You see this back page? Francesa with like the Pope sat on on the Daily News. They're eating that up. Everybody's eating it up because it's a buzz. You know when I learned something about buzzes at WFAN? I don't know if you if you guys were um, longtime listeners of WFAN. You might remember Eli from Westchester. Eli was an African-American guy from Westchester who, quite frankly, was a race baiter. Every time he came on, I mean, if you said you like vanilla, it was no good. You were a racist. He was just a race baiter, plain and simple. And, and he did it with every show, not just FAN. He, you know, he, he'd call into different shows in the city. So one day he calls us, and I got into it big time with him. 
I mean, I got into it big time, and I told him I was fed up with his crap. I told him he's he was worse than a redneck cracker with a white sheet over his head. <laughs> I walk out of the newsroom during a break, and I was assaulted, literally assaulted by everybody in the newsroom and everybody, management people. Russ, the only thing they didn't do was hoist me on his shoulders. Russ, that was great. That guy had it a long time coming. It was great. I mean, somebody should have said that to this guy a long time ago. Great. Okay. So everybody's patting me on the back, and I did a good job. Short while later, FAN's doing a promotion. You, you know, they're, they're allowing some people to come on the air, like, you know, callers, frequent callers, maybe come in to sit in for 20 minutes or a half an hour. And they invite Eli to come in and sit in for half an hour. I remember asking management, why are you doing this? Well, you know, he's kind of a compelling listen. Oh, okay. So you know what? You were patting me on the back from telling him where to go a while ago. But now, you know, to create a buzz, that's what you do. Well, it's the same thing with the bottom line. Whatever we can do for Shkarol. You know what Shkarol is? It's Gelt, it's Do-Re-Mi, it's Daenerys. Whatever you can do for the Shkarol or the numbers, that's what you're going to do. That's the nature of this business. So, listen. God bless them. Uh, again, I, I feel bad for, I really feel bad for Carlin. Because I think he, first of all, he, he, he went to Philadelphia um, you know, left the gig there for him. It's coming home. Now you're going to put three people in for two hours, like from one to three. That's bullshit. So I, I don't think that the, the future of that show, I hope I'm wrong for their part uh, for Chris's point part. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think that show has a long life expectancy. I, I really don't. But WFAN made its bed. Now they're stuck with it, sleeping it, but it's a mess. It is a mess. The mor- mor- Trust me on this. The morale there is awful. You, everybody's pissed off. How, how, how is Carlin and, and his crew supposed to look at Francesa? And you know Boomer Esiason and his partner Giannetti, how would they say, I mean, they all hate each other. We're not talking about, this is not like a little, like, you know, competitors, jealousy. This is like flat out disgust, despise. This is a mess. And if you don't think it's a mess... The last time they had feelings that went like this, the most arguably, not arguably, the most successful team in sports talk radio was Mike and the Mad Dog. Without a doubt. I'm not talking locally. I'm talking nationally. Mike and the Mad Dog, Christopher Russo and Mike Francesa were the most, what was the most successful team in sports talk radio history. Up to this point, 
and it ended. And you know why it ended? Because they hated each other. That's why it ended. Not because one wanted to go out on his own. Bullshit. They hated each other. So now you know what you have? Now you have hate permeating that station. Because people are pissed off and disgusted. And you know what? God bless them. But what they got at WFAN is a real mess. As I said, more things change the more they remain the same. And that, my friends, is a wrap on today. As always, I thank uh, all of you for getting a load of me. And again, now I like to get a load of you. So send me your thoughts at Russ Salzberg on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, I'll read, maybe read the best uh, comment or comments uh, of the week next week. Um, check out my website, russsalzberg.com. Many thanks to my outstanding producer, Mike Coscarelli. Uh, Craig Schwab, program director, over here at 77 WABC. Of course, everybody at the OG Podcast Network, which of course is Mike Coscarelli, Chris Rutsky, and, and Craig Schwab from 77 WABC. And always, you the people out there, because without you people, I have nobody to talk to. All right. I will be back next week. Until that time, as always, folks, it is I, Russ Salzberg, saying bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Throw in some music. We can watch the game. Or we could keep it simple. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Corona Port, Chicago, Illinois. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.